0: So I'm going to go really fast to recap what I started on, and then we'll continue. First thing I said, that we live in a culture that, um, that I'm, I'm dubbing, kind of, I guess, have hardly dubbing EOE, which is the easily offended, uh, we live in an easily offended epidemic. It's an epidemic in a country, because you cannot disagree with someone without them calling you a hater. You cannot have a different opinion uh, from someone without them calling you, um, that you're intolerant, or, or that you're like, you know, a, 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 homophobe, a, a homophobic person or a, like I said, a hater or some sort of other name when you disagree with someone. And I think we need to kind of check our feelings and not be guided by the feelings because if we're guided by our feelings, people will hurt us all the time and we will always be offended. And that's such a hard, hard life to live, just to always live in this place of offense. Um, and a lot of people leave churches because someone said or did something and they got offended. And so this, this burden is not for us to carry. So if you carry some sort of offense, a good day for you to, get, to be set free of this. Amen? Um, and so what we said last week is the first question should never be, is it offensive? But it should be, is it true? And let the truth adjust our feelings. And that's really, really important that we, that we adjust Our offense or just our feelings to what the truth is because we said I said last week is that Jesus is just for he he's just about as much uh, he is about truth as much as he's about love about grace about freedom Um, and so we talked about a little bit of the three elements of homosexuality uh, and I'm not gonna go into it but it's gonna say there's attractions there's actions and there's identity and we have not touched on attractions uh, much yet um, but, um, but we will, we're just right now focused on a lot of this action aspect of it, and the identity aspect of it. Um, we all have a worldview, and uh, every person, every political party, um, every organization has a worldview, and in our worldview, we have a source of our authority, specifically moral authority. And so we talked about last week that our culture lives in a, uh, a gut feeling type of a culture, which... Um, Ravi Zacharias dubs or calls the autonomous culture, which basically means we, we, we live by self-law. Each person determines their own moral uh, or prerogative and they're ex- based by their experiences um, and, and how they feel. And so it, it's, it's, a, it's a really difficult time for us to engage in a lot of conversation. You guys remember, and this is a little bit political, but, uh, but remember when uh, Trump got elected uh, a few years back and people lost their minds they quit going to work they they you know they went on antibiotic, not antibiotics but on pills antidepressants and they their whole world crashed and and everything's gonna burn and that's it we're kind of that's it we're, we're done this world is it was is ending and people were just wailing and crying and and you know blame trump for their health demise and if it wasn't the reality that would be funny but that is a reality and in our colleges and in our schools, everyone's like walking on tiptoes because we, we don't want to offend anyone. So that basically creates a, 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 um, a culture that's, that's relative on morality, that's relative on truth, and it's relative on reality. We are whatever we want it to be, and you have to um, agree with me, or you're intoler- intolerant, you're a bigot. And you know what's crazy? A bigot is a person who, who, who basically cannot agree with your opinion, who hates the fact that you have an opinion so some of this terminology and the reason I say all this stuff is because those words a lot of people are afraid to be called that racist intolerant a bigot a homophobic and and so we kind of shy away and 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 those labels that bullying silences the church and silences a lot of people and I think that that is not acceptable and we should not allow bullying to silence our voice We should not allow bullying to silence the scripture. And I understand that this topic and and maybe such topics, people don't know how to maybe communicate it with love. But again, in the world where if you disagree with me, you don't love me, that thinking is so destructive. And so I asked last time, and some people got smarty, and they wanted to, you know, um, blackmail me. I asked everyone if you guys agreed with me, and a few individuals raised their hand that you agree with everything that I say. And after I made the comment, a few others said, okay, me too. And you're trying to manipulate the generous offer. And so I was very offended for the whole week. And I think you're a bigot. Everybody in here is a bigot. So there you go. Now can we move on? Um, The other part of this conversation is that we live in a culture that does not believe in God. And so does a source of authority for all things comes from science, feelings, uh, maybe their experiences. And uh, if you don't believe there's a God, there is not a great moral compass for you to basically align what's right, what's wrong, and, and how do you differentiate between those two. And so our objective and the place that we've, come in, that we've been coming from on this topic of homosexuality is that we do believe that there is a God. And we do believe that scripture is not only authoritative on this topic and all topics and most topics, but it's also clear. Because sometimes people say that I believe in God, but my source of authority is in the stories and the relationships that I have with those people who are same-sex attracted, for example. So I know a person, they're my brother, they're my sister, they're a friend, they're a coworker, and they're such nice people. And that seems to be the authority that we that we pull from to say that this must be okay because these people are really nice. And so do you see how the comparison is apples and oranges? No one's asking whether a person who is homosexual or who has same-sex attraction is nice or mean. But because they're nice, then it must be right. And part of the thinking is that if you're homosexual, then you must be the most evil, perverted person on the face of the earth. And so people are shocked whenever they meet people who are really nice. And so we have to be very sensitive and clear about this topic. So I just want to repeat myself from what I said last week is that I can tell you a lot of facts. I can tell you just a lot of opinions. I can tell you a lot of feelings. I can tell you what Scripture, what I believe Scripture says, and I believe that Scripture is clear on this topic. And if you, if you hear it from a place of religious law and you don't hear love from me, then I failed to communicate the truth to you. I believe that there's... there's, there's Greatness in communicating truth with love and not neglecting either or of those and So I just want you to know that if you're struggling with um, same-sex attractions that you are loved here That we're not passing judgment on you that we're not casting you out you this place is a safe place for you to grow for you to struggle Church is not a place of perfect people and so the beautiness of a community of believers, we're all pursuing God. We're all in, on, our, on our path, and God is speaking to us and leading us and guiding us. But the bottom line, and this does not change with anything that we talk about, is that God, God's love is not diminished based on your practices or your beliefs or your identities. No matter what you've done, God's love is not diminished. He's not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, all right, I love Gary Moore this morning because he sinned a little less last night. (laughs) He wanted to watch the R-rated movie, but instead he watched Princess of the Bride. (laughs) I love Gary Moore this morning. God doesn't do that. God already sees and knows all things. And so there is safety and there's there is, there is a sense of freedom to be able to come before God who knows all things and is still inviting us into his presence. He's a loving, loving father. And I'm sorry that if churches come across as maybe not so loving and that is so sad that we do that. And so I just want to apologize on their behalf, but also invite you into a relationship with what we're doing here, with what God is doing here, and just let you know that you will never be loved less. We may kick you out, but we'll still love you. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm glad you guys laughed. All right. So if you hear anything else or nothing else, just know that we love you and God loves you and God wants a relationship with each and every one of us and he will lead us. You don't need a person from the pulpit to tell you what to do or how to do it. You all, and we all have access to God one-on-one. I love that. I love that. Because who has been derailed by a pastor before? Not here, obviously. But... (laughs) I think most christians they'll look back and be like wow my pastor he loved me but he did not know what he was talking about or some other thing. so um so don't take my word for it read a book <laughs> right uh last week and i'm going to read through these really fast um the old testament talks about homosexuality and i'm not going to do any commentary on that i'm just going to read what we read last week so that we can move on to the passages that talk about this issue in the new testament and you know, and if you have kids and, you've, you, and, and you've, they've, they've never heard this word, homosexuality, and you're kind of like hesitant, you could walk out with them. I'll give you some, uh, th- you know, 30 seconds, but I'm not going to go into like, last week was probably like the worst when, when it comes down to where we parked and landed on this topic. So I'm going to be very sensitive um, and, and choose my words very wisely, but I am going to read exactly what the scripture says so that it's pretty clear for us. Uh, Old Testament scriptures, we read in Genesis 19, 4 and 5 says this, before they went to bed, the men of the city of Sodom, both young and old, the whole population surrounded the house. This was everybody, like the whole city surrounded um, Lot's house because they were, and they basically said, they were calling out to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Send them out so that we can have sex with them. So we read that, and um, and a lot of people use this passage to basically say, look, homosexuality is wrong, but then another side of uh, the argument is like, no, this is talking about rape more than is talking about a, a relationship that is, uh, you know, like two consensual adults consenting on what they're wanting to do. This is more like a forced thing. And we all agree that forced anything, God is going to be opposed. Um, but we read in Jude 1:7, likewise Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions. And when it talks about sexual immoralities, homosexuality is included in that word sexual immorality. You cannot separate homosexuality from this word sexual immorality. And so Jude kind of points back to Sodom and Gomorrah and says that, yes, one of their things was sexual immorality. It also talks about their them being in, in, uh, you know, in, uh, inhospitable and they weren't caring for, their, uh, for the poor or the widows. And you know what? The Bible also says that met Sodom and, and, and Gomorrah, it's not that they were just like, this homosexuality um, and they were trying to rape these guys they the Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah it was wicked they were evil they were evil across the board like when you see injustice happen when you see you know someone beat like a puppy or a dog or a cat or a child or bully someone? You know that feeling whenever you see, you witness an injustice. Who's ever witnessed an injustice, like on Facebook or in real life? You know the thing that rises up in you. You're like, yeah, you know, you should die, you know. And all of a sudden, we're like, we justify the extreme measure that that we would take for certain injustices. But then on other injustices, we're like, God, you're too mean. As if God's like, hey, created being. What do you think I should do since you care more about the humanity that I created than I do? Leviticus. Everybody loves Leviticus. This is another passage that you'll hear. Leviticus 18, verses 22 and 23. You are not to sleep with a man as with a woman. It is detestable. You are not to have sexual intercourse with any animal, defiling yourself with it. A woman is not to present herself to an animal, to mate with it. It is perversion. So we see one of the uh, Levitical laws talks about incest, talks about, um, uh, what is it, obesity? Obesiality? Talks about same sex all in one group. And a lot of people try to pluck that out to say that that's not what it's talking about. And I talked about this a little bit last week. And then... That's a passage in Leviticus. And there's another passage in Leviticus, chapter 20, verse 13. If a man sleeps with a man as with a woman, they both have committed a detestable act. They must be put to death. Their death is their own fault. And so what's interesting is we talked about this, so you have to watch it last week. But it's like, hey, you're saying that men and men cannot sleep with men as they do with women, so you must put them to death. So why are you picking and choosing what you follow? So shouldn't they be all be put to death? And there are preachers who go around saying that we should kill all homosexuals. And basically what they're saying, not really realizing, is the thing that Jesus was saying, hey, you have a log in your eye, and you're trying to punish someone with a speck in their eye. But we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to get into it. So the question is, which Old Testament laws apply, which don't? And just to refresh, there are three types of laws, ceremonial, judicial, and moral laws. Ceremonial laws and judicial laws um, are like the sacrifices, they don't apply because Jesus fulfilled the law. The judicial civil laws don't apply in the sense of like the punishment because there are certain punishments that God only asked the Jewish people, this is how I, how I want you guys to live, so they don't cross over to New Testament. The only laws that, are, that cross over to New Testament is the moral laws, which is anything that's sexual in nature, right and wrong, those kind of things. And the way that we know that is that Jesus um, repeated moral laws, so did Paul, so did Peter. And so, and talking about sexual immorality and homosexuality, this is where we are right now, where we're going to uh, point out the three New Testament scriptures that talk about homosexuality in a New Testament. So these moral laws, they actually cross over from Old Testament to New, and not all laws do. Does that make sense? And if it doesn't, I would just highly encourage you guys to go watch last week. Okay, so this morning, New Testament passages. The first one that we're going to go to is found in Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. It's going to be up on the screen. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to, see, there it goes, sexual impurity. So that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what, was, what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. This passage is like really, really, really clear on what scripture talks about and what scripture's and God's position on men exchanging their natural desires and passions with women for men with men and women with women. And Paul does not mince words. And so when people say the Bible is not clear, the Bible is pretty clear. Amen. The Bible is pretty clear. Second passage is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. There we go again. No sexual immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, Or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And then another passage, the third passage in the New Testament, and then we'll talk about this. 1 Timothy 1, chapter chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. But we know that the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately. We know that the law is not meant for righteous people. But for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, verse 10, for the sexually immoral and homosexuals, for slave traders, liars, uh, perjurers, and and for whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which was entrusted to me. And when you talk about this topic specifically, I'm telling you you will you will fall on one of two kind of aisles. You'll be like, first of all, God doesn't exist, and if he does exist, God the scripture is not my authority and the scripture is not clear when it comes down to homosexuality. Okay? That's where you will go. And then to help you move in that direction, there will be people in your life who are kind and nice and decent people who have same-sex attractions, who maybe live out a homosexual lifestyle, who maybe married um, in, in this way as well. And so you're looking at your experience and how you feel about it, and then you determine God's position on it. Whether And the position is not that God is this way or that way. The position is that God's not clear. And so if you ever thought that God was not clear, I hope that the Old Testament verses that I read and the New Testament verses that I read speak volumes to say, wait a minute, maybe... I believed a lie, and the gospel, and Jesus, and Paul, and Peter, and the Old Testament, maybe they are pretty clear on this issue. And in our culture, when you say that, when you believe that, you will be called a bigot. You will be called a hater. People will unfriend you. People will stop coming to church. And that's why I said last week, if we, can get, if we can get through homosexuality in the sense of having talking about this, then we can talk about anything. If the church doesn't close down. This is why a lot of churches hesitate to talk about this because there are people who are connected to other people. And the connotation is that if you disagree with me, then you hate me. And so what I proposed is that we have to accept the fact that we will disagree one with another so the question is not whether or not we will agree the question is what how are we going to move forward if we disagree and i know people here and i know you're maybe connected and we raised hands last week almost every single person knows somebody who is in this in a relationship or who's struggling with this, we know somebody. So for us, this is very, this is like me saying that your grandma went to hell with Hitler. Like, no, not, not, not Grammy. Right? It's, it sounds so harsh. So we want to sympathize. And, be, and, and, and what we're trying to communicate is, man, I love you. You're a human being. I'm not going to disrespect you. And we don't know how to do that with truth. And can I just give you permission to say, I will believe certain things and I'll believe things differently than you, but I will not love you less based on our differences. Every human being was created in God's image. So we don't have the right to devalue any human being. We know how to fight for the unborn, but we don't know how to fight for the homosexual. go ahead, stay away from my children. So we have to not compromise the truth, but say, God, your truth sets people free. And people may not see truth, but they will see love. We always have to lead in love. Every single time. But as we read this morning, God does not mince words. So, if someone asks you, what do you think of homosexuality or same-sex marriage? You can choose to tell them what you personally believe and think. Or you can say, my authority is scripture and what God says is where I stand. Or you can just become passive and say, I don't know, It's it's a cool conversation. And then what happens is that you become unstable. Because you pick and choose where your authority comes from. Today it comes from the world, the culture. Tomorrow it comes from a movie. The third day it comes from your spouse or your kids. Today on Sunday it comes from the scripture. Amen, pastor. Yeah, homosexuality is wrong. Yeah, my pastor tells the truth. And then when you go to work, you're like the hermit in a corner. that, That you don't talk to anybody. And so no one knows that you're a Christian. No one even knows that you love them. Now, I heard this, and I think this is where, man, I can, this is where the whole thing really for me, like, makes even more sense than just me ending on this and saying, see, the Bible says that it's wrong, so don't practice it, and here's some resources to help you, and we'll, we'll, we'll pray for you. But when our people ask, is homosexuality a, a homosexuality a sin, and what does the Bible say about it? You know what you should say? And I heard this, and I'm going to pass it on to you because I think it's brilliant, and I think that it's actually more convicting than we would like. You guys ready for some conviction? Oh, yeah. Amen, sir. Amen, pastor. Give it to me. (laughs) Oh, y'all haters. Okay. Um, The Bible and God is clear that homosexuality is a sin, but it's far worse than that. It's far worse than that. I want to sit down for this. So I don't get stoned. Jesus and the apostles and God from the beginning. He actually put sex into context. What Paul and the writers we're writing about is not isolating homosexuality as the sin that god is not going to forgive or the one that we need to move away from what the writers were talking about and what god intended from the beginning was that he took sex and he put sex in marriage so as far as god is concerned is all sexual activity Outside marriage is considered sexual immorality. This is where the American church got it wrong. People in American church are sleeping with one another left and right. And then on a weekend, say homosexuality is wrong. Abortion is wrong. We need Trump in the White House. We need a Christian in the White House. I'm going to love you. I'm going to distance myself from you. But I'm going to do my thing. When it comes down to these political things, I'm with God. But then when it comes down to my sexuality, well, God's not clear. Because I feel like I, I love her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry her. Oh, this is not a big deal. This, this, this is just, you know, from high school. I'm just chatting with her on Facebook. Honey, we're just great friends. You understand how exclusive God created sex strictly within marriage, period. That's it. Anything outside of that is violating God's plan and God's will. And he calls it sexual immorality. So then the question is, how should we treat homosexuals or homosexuality? And the answer is the same way that we would treat all sexual immorality. When... God God is speaking to a lot of us right now Because you thought That I'm so against homosexuality And I'm in this right place But then when you, when you read And it's talking about every Sexual activity outside of marriage Is as sense if you're engaged If you're not married, if you're single Or if you're divorced And, and, and you're, you're a single mom or a single dad You may feel like, well, I was married before, so being sexually active is no big deal for me because I used to, this is all familiar, no big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. You're not married. And God is really, really, really strict in this environment. And the thing is this, God's way, if everyone did marriage and sex God's way, we would not have single parents who were neglected or abused or, or their spouses left. We wouldn't have so many shattered women and men who have been giving themselves away all these years trying to find the right one. We wouldn't be dating people, and that's pretty much code for, I'm going to sleep with you. We don't know how to date someone and be friends with them. We don't, we, we've lost complete self-control when it comes down to our sexuality. And so, in on one hand, we have this log of our sexuality that we, like, we, we, we ignore And yet we we you know we see this big log of homosexuality and we're like, yeah, I feel better about myself. Really, really, you feel so good about yourself. And God's like, listen, your sexual immorality is just as bad as that person's homosexual. I know, this is part two, so I can say whatever I want to say. This is this is not my opinion. This is not my opinion. And if you get offended at what you heard this morning, you'll be offended long after you leave this church and find another church. That is not gonna leave you because God's gonna be convicting you over and over and over and over again. God's best is for success, God's best is for a man and a woman to commit for life, to be able to raise a family so that it can stabilize a community, a culture, a society so that you are not afraid to, to take your spouse with other couples because you're like, they're not going to be lusting after my spouse. Do you know, do you know some people that where you're like, dude, man, you know? and, and I hate because these Christians, they're like, oh, yeah, this is my vice. I'm a womanizer. You know, this is my, my, my thorn in my thigh. They try to quote Scripture saying that this is... The battle that God's just, you know, I'm a sinner, I'm not perfect, I never said I was, so let me continue violating God's law when it comes down to my sexuality. And every single person can attest that whenever they've done it their own way, people were always hurt. Families were always uprooted. There was always chaos and mess and the opposite of love. And so no wonder people don't know what a great marriage looks like because in our culture, there are few and far between. And so now we're exploring all sorts of different things and we're trying to name and call this is marriage. No, this is marriage. No, this is marriage. Who cares what marriage is? No one blah, blah, blah. No one has given us the right to define or redefine marriage at all because marriage preexisted our government. And it was not established by government. So we have to go back and say, what is going to be my source? Is my source for truth going to be the political scene, the movies that I watch, my feeling, my professor? Is that going to be my source of truth? Because then what we've done is we've taken God and put him into our own little box. And friends... What we have to do this morning is say, God, can you leave my box and let me get into your box? Now, that's the bad news. That's the bad news. We're all jacked up. We're all jacked up. And so, so, (laughs) the gospel doesn't leave it there. The gospel doesn't say, okay, you guys are all... And that's Greek for <laughs> universal language. But as, as, I was, as I was reading this, and especially reading Sodom and Gomorrah, because whenever anyone says talks about homosexuality, Sodom and Gomorrah is always something that comes up. But you know what no one brings up? And I feel like God's like, hey, hey, read this. Read these couple of verses. And I'm going to read them to you. Genesis chapter 18, verses 20. Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. R- watch this. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is immense. Their sin is extremely serious. Well, I thought God just loved everyone. I thought Jesus was just this hippie guy with long hair. And he just, just hugs, free hugs for everyone. <laughs> there are serious things that we have to be like, God's not going to just like, oh, I love you. So forget about it. No. But was." He says, I will go down to see if what they have done justifies the cries that has come up to me. If not, I will find out. The means that people are praying to God. They're begging God. God, there's so much injustice in my city. There's so much, you know, uh, uh, evil where I am. God, please, God, please. So these prayers and all these cries are coming to God. And I love how it's kind of poetic where God's like, hmm, let me go down and check it out for myself. Now. Genesis 18, verse 32, and this is where I was just like, why don't we read this? Then the Lord, then he said, Let my Lord not be angry, and I will speak one more time. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, I will not destroy on account of 10. God came down to check out Sodom and Gomorrah. And he chatted with Abraham, the one that trusted God, and his faithfulness was accounted to him as righteousness. So Abraham left everything, and God's like, I mean, no, no, Abraham left everything, and so, um, and so, uh, Abraham went went out of the city, went, went out to a new land, and his family went. God blessed him, and then. Um, him and Lot, they had some disagreements between their animals and stuff. So Lot went one way and Abraham went another way. And so Lot ended up in, in the greener pasture, like what Lot saw, he went after. And, and for Abraham, it just does, didn't really matter because he's like, God's with me. So wherever I am, is going to blossom and flourish. So if, if, I'm, if I'm in a desert, it's not going to remain in a desert for long. I loved that about Abraham. But God came down and he's, he's like, Abraham, I'm not going to withhold from you what I'm getting ready to do. He goes, the outcry of the city is severe. And, and so Abram was like, okay, God, what if there's 50 righteous people there? Would you still destroy it? God's like, no. If I find 50, I won't destroy it. Abraham's like, okay, well, let me ask one more time, God, well, what, what if there's 40? God's like, if there's 40, I won't destroy it. Okay. Please don't be angry with me. What if there's 30? God's like, if there's 30, I won't destroy it. Okay, God, what if if there's just 20? God's like, if there's 20, I won't destroy And then he says, please don't kill me. Let me ask you one more time. And that's what we read. What if there's only 10? did not find ten in a city that were righteous first Corinthians 611 this is where the good news bump comes up on homosexuality or any other sexuality and actually let, let's 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 back up and read starting from verse 9 we'll read 9 10 and 11 So, verse 9 10 11 you may have to come back up but it says this and this is what we read earlier i'm going to just read it while, while she gets it first corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 10 don't you know that the unrighteous unri- the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom god's kingdom do not be deceived no sexually immoral people no idolaters adulterers or males who have sex with males no thieves. No greedy people, no drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And what's really interesting is that we are not plucking anything else out of this verse, but just to justify our ego or what we're wanting to do already. And then verse 11, I love this because it says, And some of you used to be like this. I love this because it distinguishes. Some people were not like that and God still needed to save them. And some people were like that. They were thieves, robbers, homosexuals. They were idolaters. They were drunkards. They were verbally abusive. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So your sin, whatever it may be, your struggle, it does not need to become your identity. Jesus truly is our answer. Jesus is truly your answer. Don't let anyone tell you that there is no hope. Don't let anyone tell you that this is just how you are. Don't default to your fallen self. Realign your identity and who you are based on what God made you and who God made you. And find your identity in what God says that you are and not what people around you say that you are. I don't care how long you've been going through a struggle. If you really want out, Jesus is still your answer. For some people, it's going to be a miracle where God's going to come, to come into your life and dramatically shift and change your life. And you, you wake up one day longing to be attracted to same sex and you're like, today I woke up and I'm not longing anymore. Today, you, you go to sleep and you're longing to be a drunkard, to be a thief, to be a liar, to be verbally abusive. And God comes in and then you wake up and you no longer have those desires. You're not longing for, for the bottle. You're not longing for the pills. You're not longing to be promiscuous. You're not longing for any of these. God completely and miraculously just lifted you out and gave you br- breathe free life and new life into your soul. And all of a sudden, there's a miracle. And you're like, wow, God did it for me. So yes, He can do it for you, but that's not all people. Other people, God sets you free, and then he works with you to walk in what he's already set you free on, but it's gonna take a process. So you wake up, and you'll still struggle. You'll still have temptation. You'll still have desires and feelings. You still be, you'll still be wanting to go back, maybe to how you used to be. But that's part of the sanctification process that Jesus introduced. No one, no Christian, for the most part, unless it's a, m- a miracle, God doesn't just take ugly character and then overnight makes him to the most loving, patient person. No, God says, walk in these things. Walk these things out. And as you walk these things out, as you focus on who God is, then you begin to focus less and less on what you used to believe. Freedom is found in Jesus. And God may use therapy, God may use counseling, God may use church attendance for you, God may use you reading the Bible, God may use you praying. All these things that God may use, great friendships, conferences, God may use all of those things to change you. But the end, at the end of the day, God is still the answer that you're looking for. Whether you're a homosexual struggling with same-sex attraction or you're a hedral struggling with other sexual attractions. And this speaks to God's love for his people. For the Bible, I love this because the Bible... God's not going to exclude you because of your sin. Because God invites all sinners into his presence because he takes us sinners and transforms us so that we can say we used to be xyz now we are a b and c and only by the grace So as the band comes up, we're going to sing over you this morning and we're going to open up the altar that if you're struggling with any sin or maybe you view yourself as you've lost hope because of your past, maybe, maybe you're struggling with homosexual um, lusts or you're, you're maybe in an identity crisis, maybe it's heterosexual things, maybe you're, maybe you're struggling with, with pornography or. Or other sexual things maybe you're struggling with depression maybe maybe you're just in a place where you just don't see the hope in the future that I've been talking about today I just want to tell you that the altar is for you come alongside with someone someone they will believe with you they'll pray with you they will speak words into your life so as we just all kind of just be where you are we're gonna do this song give everyone a moment to just kind of like get before God, the lights are going to go down you're going to go pretty much black so you can have some privacy but I want to open this up and don't don't look at yourself like I'm going to go up there, what are people going to think it doesn't matter what people are going to think they're going to change their view about you left and right before today is over It's what matters is what God thinks about you and God's like just come to me and I I will affect the change that you're really seeking, just come to God in Jesus name